Well, good evening once again, our Wednesday night Bible study, and we're still in the book of James, uh, continuing in chapter 1, carrying on from verse 19 tonight. And so do bow your heads in a word of prayer with me uh, before I read the scriptures, and then we'll see how we can just gain something from this particular passage tonight. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would undertake for us. Uh, thank you once again for the word, and Lord, this word that you've implanted within us as believers and Lord as you continue to produce fruit through your word by your spirit in our lives we do pray that even tonight that we learn and Lord just gain from uh, that which you have preserved for us that which Lord you have given as a wonderful gift to us to know your will and Lord to be able to apply this in our own lives in the context in which we live. We pray for each other tonight, just in the needs that there are. And we know that many stand in need of just a touch from you. We do pray for your gracious hand of mercy. Praying also again that your spirit lead and guide, be our teacher tonight, we pray. Open our hearts and ears, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now don't forget that uh, the passage we deal with is part of a greater context. But again, just wanting to read tonight from uh, chapter 1, and our passage is going to tackle from verse 19. But again, just to go back to verse 18, where James writes, he says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Then going on to verse 19, Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So just so far, the, the reading of this uh, particular passage. And once again, you can see with James uh, so much practical reality, practical uh, lessons that we can learn in this uh, particular study. So I want to begin by perhaps using a, a concept that we do understand in everyday life, being that of divorce. Uh, we understand the, 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 the struggle, the, the hurt, the danger, um, the, the pain that comes about in divorce. And of course, the fact that God hates divorce. But I'm not wanting to speak today about the divorce between a man and a woman, but wanting to speak about the divorce here between hearing the word and doing it. This seems to be a challenge for most of us. And so there is often this tendency among us as, as believers, as evangelical believers who have a high view of Scripture. We, we are, are people of the book and, and we understand that the Bible teaches the will of God, that the Bible reveals the will of God. And yet 
the tendency often is to separate that out from the actual doing. How we go about living our lives uh, from day to day. So we could call this also a gulf between theology on the one hand and the practice of professing Christianity on the other hand. And the problem is that this gulf does not serve the purposes of your sanctification and my sanctification. And and, and what may be, uh, in fact, the case is that we, we remain as baby Christians. We, we remain immature in the faith. That is, if in the first instance we were truly born-again believers. And so the problem, this problem, is in fact what James addresses in this next passage. He also gives us some very good practical advice, and uh, we're going to be considering some of that uh, together here tonight as, as well. Now remember, and, and why I read verse 18, is because James has shown us in verse 18 that the chosen instrument that the Holy Spirit uses is in fact the Word. Let me read again verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So God powerfully, by his spirit, uses the word. We, we know even the Apostle Paul teaching that faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. And just this, this uh, graphic, very graphic illustration that James uh, gives us that he brought us forth by the word of truth. So you, you, you becoming a new creature in Christ as a result of that word that has been implanted um, in you. And so the point is that this word is, a, is an instrument, instrumental means. It's God's way of, of growing us, of changing us, of transforming us more and more uh, into the likeness, the moral likeness of Jesus. So that means it's, it's transformation away from uh, those sinful habits and more so into the likeness and the righteousness of, of Jesus. So that which he has started by implanting this word in you and in me must continue in our daily walk as believers. And the bottom line is we can't get away from the fact that in this passage it is God's will that you and I be growing as Christians. We should not remain static. We should not be going stale. We should not be going backwards. In fact, it's a concern. It's a concern in my own life that because I've been a Christian for such a long time, is it possible that I would get to that stage where I speak about only that which was uh, taking place in the past uh, with God and amongst God's people instead of uh, a present a vital uh, relationship in the present of ongoing growth and uh, ongoing walk uh, with God. So some practical advice today to close the gap between listening and doing and therefore growing, growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Growing from strength to strength, and this is what this passage will deal with in practical holiness. So two major points today, and the first point I'm just going to be speaking to is the issue of receiving the truth. And so we want to speak to the issue of, of just the reception. So this word has been planted in you as a believer, if you are a believer, and so 
let's think about how we continue to receive this truth. And much of what James is saying over here has to do with a mindset. It has to do with preparation, is uh, a willingness to, to, to do the kind of preparation that would be necessary to be uh, open uh, to the word of God. And so receiving the truth requires preparation. The better the preparation, the better the results. Now all of us or most of us surely have done some kind of painting work. And uh, I remember so many, many years ago, uh, the very first car I owned, uh, it, was, it had been in a, an accident. And, and so I tried my hand at panel beating and spray painting and got some of my friends to help me uh, to, to do the work. And we discovered a great lesson there. One of my friends who helping me rub the car down after we had done some panel beating and some putty work. And uh, he very uh, smartly uh, sandpapered, with very fine sandpaper, the initials of a girl that he had uh, uh, taken a liking to. And so we rubbed the car down and, and the initials were there, but we didn't think uh, that it would show through once the final coats of paint had been sprayed on. And in as much as we thought we had adequately removed the initials, once the car was finished, forever and a day until I sold that car, the initials of this girl could be seen uh, looking at an angle um, at the bonnet where he had uh, sandpapered or waterpapered these initials on. And the, the bottom line is we didn't do good preparation. And so the consequence was... The, 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 the paintwork was not a, a fine job and, and the bad preparation was a reminder to, to, uh, to me every time I looked at the bonnet. And so in the same way we do need to have attitudes and action of preparation when it comes to receiving the truth. That you prepare yourself, that I prepare myself in certain ways. And, and it's they obvious ways, we, we know them, but we need to be reminded of them. The first is to have an open ear, have an open ear. Notice what uh, James says, he says we ought to have, we ought to be quick to hear. I'm one who struggles with this uh, particular uh, challenge, because it's far easier to talk for me than to listen. And the challenge here is, as a Christian, if we are to learn, if we are to grow, if we are to, under, to better understand the will of God, we are to open our ears rather than our mouths. The word of God must first be heard before we can respond to it, before we can uh, exercise faith and latch on in terms of the claims made in the word of God. So James puts his finger on the pulse over here. It's a great need. It's a great need in the church. It's, in fact, even in secular society, the tendency is that we as people tend to talk more than, than hear or listen. And uh, as a quotation I found, uh, Paul Turnier, and I think he puts, uh, puts it very, very well. He says, Listen to the conversations of our world, between nations as well as between couples, and he says they are, for the most part, dialogues of the deaf. Isn't that true? So much is said, 
all wanting to jump in and butt in and say our bit, but very little listening takes place. And you can see this particularly illustrated in the parliamentary setup where different uh, members of parliament from uh, different parties express an opinion. Uh, they speak their minds and nobody is listening. Nobody is listening. They are already thinking how to respond and how they will say things uh, differently. And so, yes, many words are produced day by day. Billions and billions of words are produced literally every second. But only a fraction of those words are heard. And so the Bible is filled with the word of God. Words from God to you and to me. And so the question and the challenge is, how many of these words have you actually heard? And and hearing, hearing goes further than mere listening. And we see that in what James has to say. We have to see and understand that the heart of what James is advising here is the humble realization of the need to learn. To be teachable, to understand that that we constantly are those who who do suffer with, if I may use the word ignorance, ignorance of the will of God, ignorance of the way of God. And, and, And so instead of jumping to conclusions thinking we know best or we know better, is to to listen and to hear, uh, in fact, what God is, is saying and to learn more about God and his will. And so be quick to listen. Secondly, he goes on to speak, have a controlled tongue. Now, of course, those go hand in hand. Uh, uh, You'll see with some of the quotations I found over here uh, that we ought to be sensitive uh, to the dangers of speaking too quickly, uh, being far too hasty and, and passionate about what we want to say and what we feel and what we want to express and our opinion over against others. So to quote another author by the name of Earl Kelly, he says, Our civilization is a civilization without a silencer, just wanting to spit forth words rolling off our tongues, rolling out of our minds. You know where I've noticed this uh, particularly evident? And, and it's growing, it's growing, a talk radio Uh, Talk radio has become a very, very popular uh, means of uh, uh, the media communicating with society and society with society. And, And I've noticed with talk radio, the evidence is that we have a nation of instant experts on everything. And people have opinions and people express their opinions. And it's fine that we do that. But are they informed? decisions? Are they informed opinions? Uh, Perhaps uh, taking note of some wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Also a quotation here from a a rabbi, Jewish rabbi. He says, men have two ears but one tongue, that they should hear more than they speak. Their ears are always open, ever ready to receive instructions. But the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and keep it within proper bounds. So there's just a, could I even say a tongue-in-cheek comment 
from a Jewish rabbi, but certainly again some wisdom that uh, we can take in application to what James is saying over here in terms of having a controlled tongue. And then I've just called this next point having a calm spirit. James used the words or uses the words to be slow to anger. The arrogant way is not to listen. To really believe that we have, I have, or you may have all the answers to everything, that we know all things, that we are are informed, that we don't need to be uh, taught, that we don't need to learn. Now, if you have a society of people who all are of that opinion or that approach, it will be a society filled with conflict and friction because people are going to differ. This one has this opinion and that one has that opinion. They're standing their ground and they'll be at loggerheads. Temperatures will continue to rise and disaster will follow. And so James chapter 1 and verse 20, James says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That, that, that's the bottom line. The anger of man. Notice he points that out. It's the anger of man. Because the anger of man emanates or the, the source is the sinful nature. And so the sinful nature will produce that which is selfish or self-centered. And therefore, when you have a whole bunch of us together who are self-centered and arrogant, uh, pontificating and postulating our particular views, well, then there's going to be friction. There's going to be unrighteousness. And there's certainly not going to be any uh, attitude or action that will be pleasing to God. And so the appeal, and, and be slow, be slow to anger. Yes, there are occasions when anger uh, does emerge and and even times when anger is is justified as long as it doesn't uh, come from uh, a sinful nature or sinful motive. And not to be angry, be slow to become angry, keeping a calm spirit. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit, than he who takes a city. So again, exercising uh, just wisdom in that regard. Moving on, uh, and this moves more to the application of the passage in terms of having a clean heart. Verse 21, therefore, all right, so what are we doing? We're listening, listening to the word of God, knowing therefore the will of God, uh, learning the will of God, uh, not always sprouting forth uh, unnecessary comment and, and uh, not listening and, and having a calm spirit. Being able, therefore, to know what it is that God wants. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Receive with meekness the implanted word. That's a challenge to us and uh, surely the need for us to be praying that God would give to us a spirit of meekness, a spirit of humility. And this is not something we can fabricate. It's something that is, in fact, a work of the spirit, but also our own intentional taking of responsibility to step away from uh, rampant wickedness and filthiness and receive this word uh, humbly. Uh, before God. So maybe to just explain uh, just an illustration. Remember when our first son Josh was just a a year old. um, I had drained the oil of my car. 
and uh, left it in a basin in the garage. And I don't know how it happened, but Josh was out there. He was only a, a year old. Um, Carol found him and he had got hold of a paintbrush and started painting the wall of the garage with oil and painted himself in the process as well. And I remember very clearly her instruction to him. Take off those filthy clothes. And that's the sense of what James is saying to us over here. When the word is received and we begin to apply the word of God in this transforming process of sanctification, we are to daily take off the dirty clothes of sin. It's a conscious effort. It's an intentional action, taking off the dirty clothes of sin. Again, a helpful quotation. The dirty clothes act as a wax accumulating in your ears, reducing your hearing ability. And so we must remove. We must remove. And it's an ongoing process. The negative is to take off the clothes, eliminate the hindrances to growth. The positive is to put on the clean clothes, receiving the means of growth. Receive with meekness the implanted word and so that involves an attitude and and an action welcoming the word wanting the word and being submissively humble with a teachable heart to receive that word and then place that or put that into action which leads me then to my second point which is responding to the truth hearing the word must be followed by some kind of obedience it's a challenge it's a challenge for us truly accepting God's word logically means doing it many Christians and any one of us I think to some degree would be guilty of this is divorcing the truth because we think we agree with scripture Uh, we think that agreeing with scripture is the same as doing it And uh, I'm going to read a quotation. It's quite a long quotation. It's it's an illustration that Chuck Swindoll uses. And and, and he's he's trying to illustrate the logic or the the irrational thinking uh, behind thinking when we agree with something that that actually translates into obedience. Because it doesn't. But he says, and let me read. He says, let's pretend that you work for me. In fact, you're my executive assistant in a company that is growing rapidly. I'm the owner. I'm interested in expanding overseas. And so to pull that off, I make plans to travel abroad and stay there until the new branch of the company is established. I make all the arrangements to take my family in the move to Europe for six to eight months and leave you in charge of the busy organization. I tell you that I will write you regularly, give you directions and instructions. I leave and you stay. Months pass. A flow of letters are mailed from Europe and received by you at the national headquarters. I spell out all my expectations. Finally, I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive down to the office. I'm stunned. Grass and weeds have grown up high. Few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the receptionist's room and she's doing her nails and chewing gum, listening to her favorite disco station. I look around, the waste baskets are overflowing, the carpet has not been vacuumed for weeks. Nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. 
I ask about your whereabouts, and someone points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there. Disturbed, I move in that direction, bump into you as you're finishing a chess game with our sales manager. I step into my office, which has been temporarily uh, turned into a television room for watching afternoon soap operas. What in the world is going on? What, What do you mean? Well, look at this place. Didn't you get any of my letters? Letters? Oh, yeah, sure. Got every one of them. As a matter of fact, we have a letter study every Friday night since you left. We have even divided the personnel into small groups and discussed many things you wrote. Some of those things were really interesting. You will be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory some of your sentences and paragraphs. One or two memorized an entire letter or two. Great stuff in those letters. Okay, okay, you got my letters, you studied them, you meditated on them, you discussed them, you memorized them. But what did you do about them? We didn't do anything about them. Now, (laughs) it's a stupid illustration. But I think it makes a very, very good point. Because I think we evangelicals, perhaps even we Baptist people of the book, sometimes are guilty of that kind of thing. We study the scriptures, we go to Bible studies, we listen to sermons, we memorize texts, uh, we discuss, we have discussions, we have debates, we have opinions. But do we actually do what God's word, what the letters say to us? The point is surely how much more than this illustration from Chuck Swindoll How much more absurd to hear from God, from God, through His Word, and not obey it. To separate hearing and doing falls into the category of deception. Verse 22. But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, it's possible to be deceived. Going to the studies, memorizing Knowing the scriptures, not doing it. James illustrates this absurd approach. He uses a different illustration, but again, a very uh, applicable word in verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, then he gives the illustration. He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So what's the point? The point that James is making. What value is there in having a mirror to see a dirty mark on your face or to see that your hair needs to be combed and then you walk away, you don't wash your face and you don't comb your hair? It's ridiculous. What's the point of the mirror? And so the better way, the better way, the sensible way, the right way, and in fact if you read the verse, the blessed way, verse 25 The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so, to conclude this study tonight, your and my ongoing growth as a Christian will only take place as we receive the word And as we respond obediently to that word, not only accepting the word, not only knowing the word, but 
getting busy doing the word. And so most important of all, uh, if the word says and the word does say to believe, to believe Jesus, to believe the work that Jesus has done, to believe that his atoning sacrifice is sufficient for your uh, forgiveness, uh, that to believe that he gives the gift of righteousness, that he has suffered the just punishment for you, to believe that is, is, is to to take that and appropriate and apply it in your life, receiving that word. If the word says forgive, we must forgive. The word says love, then we must love. The word says go into all the world, then we ought to do it. The point being that if the word says anything at all, then we need to learn from Jesus' mother. When she pointed out to the servants, remember at the wedding of Cana, Whatever he says to you, do it. And so the challenge tonight is, are you a growing Christian? Um, Are you one who not only listens to the word, but also does the word? May God help us, may help you, may help me in this ongoing reality of being those who grow and transform, are transformed more and more into his likeness. Just once again, I do have a couple of uh, questions that we can consider in discussion. So perhaps a a snapshot of that with your uh, phone, uh, if you are meeting in a group. But let me pray for us and just pray that God's gracious hand of mercy be upon us. Lord, your word is very direct and very challenging. And I am challenged with this word today myself. And I would pray that others too And Lord, may we indeed be those who are teachable, willing as it were to be at your feet. Lord, to hear and then also to be those who do. And in so doing, Lord, demonstrating the reality of that word that you have planted in us, enabling us to be the kind of first fruits of your creatures. And so bless us, have your hand upon us and go with us as we continue in this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.